the potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. Because <laughs> they raping everybody out here. Should, now, a, should a Jewish I baker think, be required to bake a I Nazi think wedding Muslim cake? Millionaires and billionaires. Yeah, how about that? It feels kind of like we're up the creek. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry. I'm the boss. That's how about right. that? And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down. Well, I'm not a crook. If we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Had your kids, had your wife. Whole binders full of, uh, of women. You just gotta keep on paddling. You know, I got talking blood, man. Streaming stuff going on, on, the, on the, the internet. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. <laughs> Welcome to Up the Creek. So what do you think of the game? Oh, man. Woo. Well, you know, it was a lot better than last weekend. Um, last weekend, I was super nervous. Uh, beginning of the game last weekend, I thought they did, were doing pretty good. Then they just kind of, you know, fell apart and... Uh, defense went to shit and and everything, but this weekend, um, pretty good. I mean, really, the Bills kind of came out kind of strong, I guess you could say. And but I think Kansas City kind of said "fuck you" and they played. I think they played pretty well. All worked out in the end. I think I think last weekend we got kind of lucky, honestly. What do you think? Yeah, the Browns was a terrifying game. I you know after seeing the Bills game though. Uh, I guess remains to be seen how much of a big deal it's going to be losing Eric Fisher. But uh, right, if they play like that and Eric Fisher isn't isn't a gigantic issue, then I don't. I think the Super Bowl might end up being kind of like that game was, where it's close, and then for a minute it might seem like you know they because even the end of that Bills game, the score is going to look a lot closer than what the game is, yeah. right? Yeah. So I could kind of see that happening with Tampa Bay, where. You know, they have a run late, and it never really gets close, so the score is going to make it look like a better game than it was, but I kind of think the Chiefs are going to just walk all over them Yeah, again. me too, kind of. I mean, I hope I always get nervous because, you know, the Chiefs are always uh, – they can do anything as far as they can always lose. They, right. Sometimes, you know, well, you've been a Chiefs fan just as long as I have, you know, and it seems like the Chiefs can always find a way to lose. No matter what, they can always find a way to lose. <laughs> Oh, so frustrating, but definitely. You know, Andy Reid's a really good coach. Sometimes I think Andy Reid's a good coach. Probably ninety-five percent of the time. Sometimes he has some. He can't time management very well, but really good team and everything. So I think all in all, in all, it's you know the best team in the NFL. Obviously, last year they proved that. So anyway, but they've got this team for a. Uh, I think next year too is going to be pretty much the exact same roster. So. Mm-hmm. Good chance for a three-peat. Can you imagine? Should be a pretty good Super Bowl, though. I think there's going to be a lot of hype. So, yeah. oh yeah, you've been. I a, can imagine. You've been a fan just <laughs> as long as I have, and the years and the years of you know, like people talking shit. The Chiefs suck, and <laughs> I mean, just everything. And then all of a sudden, last year came along and was like, oh no, we're pretty good. We got, we got. They finally got a fucking quarterback, you know, uh, a couple years ago, and. It's like, damn, oh shit, the Chiefs are something. And now it's funny because, you know, uh, the, the the Patriots, for years, you know, because they won so many Super Bowls, it was always like, oh, they cheated and, and this and that and this and they you know. There's always something behind it. And, 
and that that's now happening against the Chiefs. And it's like you, we've won one Super Bowl. I mean, fuck right. me. <laughs> you know, it's like okay, I don't know. I still don't like Tom Brady. I think he's a douchebag. But I and, and Bill Belichick. I think Do you really? I, you know. You know. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I don't care much for Belichick. I I didn't like Tom Brady mm-hmm. uh, years ago, but even when he was still with the Patriots, I remember. I can't remember before what game it was. They had like a little miniature documentary on Tom Brady's life and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yep. Actually, it kind of turned me over on the guy. Like, I, I have a lot of respect for the guy. Now, I hate yeah. that he is always winning and he's always there and he's always in the way of my team winning. But right. he actually seems like he's a pretty cool dude. And as much as he gets compared to Peyton Manning, uh, they're kind of opposite stories. Like, Peyton Manning is the blue blood aristocrat quarterback, you know, from day one, was always the starter and the golden kid. That mm-hmm. was never the case with Tom Brady. And, like, his parents weren't really even, like, football people. So – everything he did as far as football was just him. And he was always kind of, I don't want to say underdog because obviously he, you know, played at a D one school and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's funny. You know, and then I, another one is uh, you don't ever see him on TV and like ads and stuff. That is very true. It's funny. You, it's funny. You bring that up because uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I know what documentary you're talking about with Tom Brady. I'd never watched it. I heard about it a lot. Yeah. But I always kind of wanted to go and watch it, and I'm sure if I watched it, I would probably think about him differently. But what I was going to say was Aaron Rodgers had a, do- a 30 for 30 on ESPN, and I happened to stumble upon it one night. And uh, Aaron Rodgers was kind of the underdog. Um, you know, he came came in under Favre, and you know, just he just kind of uh, no one ever thought he was going to do well. He was kind of a small guy, and the documentary talks about all that shit. And after watching that doc, I was like, huh. So now to this day, I actually really like Aaron Rodgers. And it's funny because my wife thinks he's an arrogant he's a, piece he, of shit. <laughs> like, I don't know. He is. Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers is a douchebag human yeah. being. So like he's a good football yeah. player. Yeah. I'm sure he's a fine quarterback to be on a team, but I think he's sounds by all accounts that he is a douchebag human being. Tom Brady, on the other hand, does not sound like he's a douchebag human being. But that's so funny because I haven't seen the doc on Tom Brady. I think he's a fucking douchebag queer. But I did see the Aaron Rodgers documentary. I think he's an all right gentleman. That is fucking hilarious. I <laughs> no, oh, that's that's good stuff, huh? I'm, I might have to go back and watch that Tom Brady doc and see if I change my mind, and then I'm going to challenge you to go watch the uh, Aaron Rodgers documentary. See if uh, see if uh, I'll do that. I'll do that. The uh, the big ones that stood out to me with Tom Brady is I mentioned the ad thing, and it's not that I really give a shit how many ads a guy does, but uh-huh. he uh he makes a point to value like privacy and the privacy of his kids and like his family's life and stuff. And that's all part of that. Uh So you don't see Tom Brady plastered all over the news or everywhere. Tom Brady. Cause I mean, think about it. He could, I mean, he's married to one of the most famous supermodels of all time. Yeah. You you could see that dude on every other magazine page or every other TV commercial. If he wanted it to be that way. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't, you know, I don't, I I, want to see it now. I really do. Because that's kind of something we're uh, we're about, you know. We're about privacy, and mm-hmm. you know, I not tonight, but maybe tomorrow. I have all kinds of free time with my job, so I may try to look that up. I really do want to see it now. I'm interested. Sweet. Anyway, uh, so Just, uh, yeah. I don't know if you want to get a game plan of kind of how the show is going to go. I I just tossing shit. <clears throat> In the notes, 
we don't have to talk about no, it. No, so the like, one that that uh, jumped out at me was the guy who injected magic mushrooms into his veins. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? <laughs> uh, so he he boiled down some magic mushrooms mm-hmm. into like a liquid, basically. Yeah. And then injected that liquid into his veins because he was off of his meds or didn't have his meds or wanted different meds. I don't remember exactly what the deal was there, but he'd heard psilocybin they've used to treat people. So injected liquid magic mushrooms directly into his veins, all kinds of problems. And on the extreme end, the fungus was actually growing, right? So whatever Mm -hmm. spores were left over in the boiled goo actually started growing in his bloodstream and almost knocked out his kidneys and liver and oh yeah man would have been would have been a rough way to go that has to just be awful feeling almost i mean it's funny because you know i think he said it was the articles i read said he was bipolar and uh you know he was off some meds like you just said yeah and uh you know as much as i'm a huge advocate for psilocybin to be legal because there is tons of studies to go towards uh uh, antidepressant or dep- uh, depression or whatever and uh and anxiety and, and blah 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 a lot of mental illnesses and there's like a lot of people that the microdose behind it and, and 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 it does really well for them and stuff and there actually is cases where they have injected uh psilocybin just the psilocybin compound not right. the fu- not the fungus into the blood right not the mushroom yeah most of the time it's 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 through an edible is what they usually do but and it was like this fucking guy okay so here, I mean, I'm not fighting for it, but let's say, let's say I'm fighting for this. I'm fighting for to for magic mushrooms to become legal, and this motherfucker goes around and fucking boils them into a tea and then injects them things into his blood. All that screams at me, and it's just like these stupid potheads. Like I'm a fucking idiot. I shouldn't be. I, sh- I should not be responsible. I'm not responsible, and and I shouldn't have this kind of like you know this uh this freedom. I, you know, like I'm just like Jesus Christ. We we should have that freedom. But at the same time, it's like you like the world we live in. We kind of have to prove that we're responsible, which is really fucked up. But we kind of have to prove that we're responsible. And then this guy goes and does something like that. And it's like you got to be fucking kidding me! Like of all things, now, now, you know, because big government, because that's how they are. Well, look at we tried, we were gonna do it, and then you proved this. You you can't be held responsible, so we cannot do that for you because we know it's better for you. But. Gave you some magic mushrooms, and the first thing you did was try to shoot it in your bloodstream. <laughs> yeah, it's like, God damn it. It's like, God damn, dude. And I hate that we kind of have to, uh, I guess, tiptoe around things because, you know, there's no reason why something like that should be illegal. But uh, this fucking idiot, because the world we live in, this fucking idiot, this guy, he's stupid as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever? You probably never. You you've never uh, smoked pot. So you've, have you ever eaten mushrooms before? Nope, never have. I'll tell you what. One time in my life, I did them, um, and uh, it was a weird experience. So I was. Do you remember that apartment I used to have when I lived off Ridge Road? Yeah. Okay. So I was there. A friend's younger brother came over. I asked him. I said, hey, can you get some for me? And I'll text you at the end of the show who the guy was, but I don't want to say his name on on this. But I was like, hey, can you get me something? You know, I really want to try these out. And he was like, yeah, no problem. I can do that for you. And I was like, okay, cool. Cool. So he came over. And honest to God, I can't remember how many how much he brought. I think maybe a gram or something like that because mushrooms are kind of a – you got to eat like a lot to kind of feel anything. So I think I was like half a gram or something like that. 
And I was like, well, how should I eat them? He's like, just, I don't know, peanut butter, piece of bread, piece of cheese, you know. I was like, just, was like, okay, cool. So I got a big old, you know, like a tablespoon of peanut butter. Kind of like crushed them in there and stuff like that. And like, you know, made like, mixed it up, you know. And I ate them. And ever, there was there was probably like, I don't know, like six people over that night. And it was a weekend night. And anyway, like I just remember like about half an hour in, like, I felt good. I felt really, I felt happy. I felt, um, I felt good. So I, and I had a beer, but I only had one beer. Like I think the entire night I drank like maybe two beers, but I felt amazing. Like it's weird. Like when I, you know, when you drink, you just kind of you feel drunk. You feel you might you feel good, but this feeling was different. It was almost like drunk on happiness, which is kind of really hard to explain. And I just felt really good, but I never got like the psychedelic high or nothing like that yet. Yeah. So. I was like, this is amazing. I was like, I'm thinking like, as this is happening and people are over and we're having a good time. And I'm like, I mean, I'm sober as hell. I just feel really good. And I'm like, well, you know, I should, I should try this again sometime at this time. I'm thinking I should try this again sometime and, and, you know, maybe eat more so I can get the, the psychedelicness, you know, cause at least one time in my life, I wanted to hallucinate and kind of see what it's like. So night goes on. Everybody starts leaving. People go home. Cool. Everything's all said and done. And it's it's not like late, late, late. So I'm like, and I'm not tired at all. So I'm like, I'm just, gonna, I only had a couple of beers. So I'm like, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to like hang out and watch some TV. So I laid on my couch that was in my living room. And if you remember, I had those, um, like, you know, those sliding glass doors. They have those long blinds that like, you know, hang up and down, you know, and you, they kind of, they're most on most right. sliding glass doors. So. I'm watching TV and I'm feeling I'm I'm still feeling really amazing like you know kind of almost drunk but like super happy it's it's very strange and then I don't know probably half an hour after everybody left like I kind of look over and like the blinds just started kind of melting and like they were like melting into the floor like very and, and I think the air conditioner kicked on so it kind of started moving which kind of triggered it but it was like it just kind of started melting to the floor, and they're like the blinds, you know, because they weren't, they weren't, uh, they weren't, they were open, so they were, you know, like this. They they kind of became like almost like one, and it's kind of you know into the floor. So I ended up calling our buddies, buddies brother over, or I called him, I said, hey, and I was like, oh my god, man, what the fuck? And I was like, this is crazy, you know. And he was, you know, he was like, yeah, and he's like, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad you finally got to experience it. And I was like, this is nuts. And that was it. You know, hung up the conversation. I maybe hung out and watched that for like half an hour. Went to sleep. After that, woke up fine. Nothing. I mean, so the only drugs I have ever done in my life were marijuana and that. And uh, both things that come from the earth. But I think the biggest thing I took away from it was, yeah, it was cool to hallucinate and stuff like that. But like the happiness. That is a... So... So to go into like the, you know, they've done tons of like uh, microdosing and, and uh, studies on it and stuff for uh, depression and anxiety and stuff like that. I get that. I understand it because that one time and I was I've never been a depressive person or, or, or a, a person with anxiety, but like that's a good feeling. Like it, it, it's not it's not like getting drunk or, you know, where you can kind of feel like you're drunk and you just kind of, you know. You feel happy with the people around you. It's kind of going on because because drinking is, is is different. You know, if, if you're drinking around, um, I don't know, like a, a lot of really bad people and a lot of bad attitude or bad bad juju or you know whatever, um, then you're gonna 
you're gonna feel that anger, you know. But like this was a whole a whole different. Like no matter what have happened that night, the way I felt was, I was like, this is a super good feeling. I just felt really good. So I kind of understand like that weird like, hey man, like just peace out, brother. You know, like that stupid hippie ass shit. I I kind of get that after after the one time I ate mush- magic mushrooms. So my main takeaway is eat a mushroom, become a hippie. <laughs> Yes, yes, so much, and drink whiskey. <laughs> no, that's fitting. I I work with the well. I know a few people who they do that kind of stuff mm-hmm. on the regular, and they're he's always talking about it. And yeah, yeah, he's always oh man, you, you got to do it just once, just once, just once. And but they, he goes so far as to the whole like, you know, have a conversation with God about you know something stupid, mm-hmm. you know, kind of stuff, which. You know, like if you listen to Rogan, that's kind of yeah. the direction they go is that it's, you know, more deeper and meaningful and stuff like that. And Man, I wonder how much you have to eat to get to that level. You know, I, 100%. I wonder that I wonder that myself a lot, actually, because if you listen to Rogan and I, and I do on the regular for the most part, not every episode, but, you know, frequently. And uh, obviously, Rogan is very outspoken about how much he eats and how much potty smokes and, you know. That's, uh, it's interesting, you know, even, and I forget like the name of the book, but the guy, there's a book that a guy talks about it where he thinks that, you know, I think it's Moses was eating magic mushrooms when he saw the burning bush and stuff like that. Um, but it's interesting. I, I don't know. Like to me that, and, and you may, that's like the stigma behind it. Like, you know, eat this and you become a stupid hippie. Because that's kind of what Rogan does when he when he was talking about it. It kind of gives gives off like, "Oh, be a stupid hippie," you know. You can see all this crazy stuff, man, and it's like I'm a lazy yeah. piece of shit. And Rogan's not, but he kind of gives that vibe off, and and that's not something that a hardworking person, you know, I guess wants to hear. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think anything should be illegal. But, you know, back you said where we have to prove that we're responsible. That's kind of the that's always the big one, you know, because if a culture can't handle it, then it'd be the end of it pretty quick. Yeah. And, you know, that actually this kind of brings us down the path on something I really wanted to talk about was uh, I recently watched the documentary um, Wild Wild Country. And that's not a new doc. It came out, I think, like even like a year ago or so. But very interesting. And talk about freedom, you know, freedom to kind of do anything you want. Um, right. And this, in, in this, in this documentary, it's on Netflix. If no one has ever seen it, spoiler alert. But basically, this group, this religious group, they, in the end of the doc, they're like, "We're not a religious group. We denounced us. We're, we're a f- we." They even said like, "This is religion is over." And the guy said like, "This is the first religion that's ever come to an end," or something like that. Anyway. Um, it was, it was, it was really good because, I mean, these people came to Oregon and they came from all over the fucking world for the most part, but they came and they, they basically started their own city. And that was, it was, it was interesting because they said, and I would love to know the Oregon laws, but I know in the beginning they said that Oregon law, if you have 150 people that live in, you know, within the same whatever area and you all agree that, you want to become incorporated, become a city, 
then you can. You just have to vote for it. So they did, and they voted for it, and unanimously, 150 people, because they were all part of this religious commune, they all, they all right. decided they want to make a city. Cool. I mean, that's something I, I like, dream about, you know. How can I create my own city and to get away from these fucking assholes where I live now and make my own laws? And uh, anyways, so they did that, and everything was kind of cool for a minute, but then they were they were close to a town, which was close. It was like, I mean, miles away, but... And the, the religion that this town, this city, Rajneesh Parim was like the name of the city in Utah... And it was, it was outside of, um, oh shit, what was the name of that fucking city um, or town? Sorry, a town population like forty people. And um, what's this documentary on? I hear, I've heard Nick and you guys so, talk about it all the time, but you you really should watch it. You would you would dig it. Um, the city of Rajneesh. So Rajneesh, Rajneesh is a religion that kind of came up about the eighties, and. Okay. Um, it was, I mean, it's like a, it's like a free sect, not 80s, I should say the 60s, sorry. It, it continued into the 80s. It's like a, like, you know what, them free sex, like, I don't know, hippie shit, you know, like they did the weird, like, uh, like when you would go to church, but they would go to their, their whatever, whatever they call their version of church. And, um, like the, the head guy, so, you know, Jesus is like, is king of, of you know, Christianity, but... The, this guy was, like, still alive. So he was there, and, like, people would, like, dance, like, uh, 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 do weird shit, and whatever. It's a, I mean, it's a stupid religion. There's a lot that says the guy was, like, he, I guess he was, before he came out with his own religion, kind of like uh, L. Ron Hubbard, he was a hypnotist. Um, this guy was. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, but basically, the whole point of the documentary is these people, they, they decided to create their own they had their own religion, Rajneesh. Um, I think there's like was like I think Rajneeshism was like the name of the religion, and uh, they decided they were going to create their own city. So they moved like they came from end up can end up coming from India. They they came to Oregon. They found like a hundred some odd acres. They bought and they decided, hey, there's 150 of us. They decided, hey, Oregon law says we can incorporate it if 150 you 150 people to vote to say yes they want to incorporate it, and they did. So they end up creating a city, but the townsfolk nearby, which was like miles away, they were like, "We don't like that," and they end up they end up fucking with these people a lot, and um, they end up like fighting back and forth, kind of. And then there was this lady named Ma Anand Sherry, was like kind of like the like there was this main this main head guy of this Rajneeshism. Um, she was like the secretary, but she was really kind of like the uh, the spokesperson of everything. And she, I mean, that's like, she, uh, you know, the, the saying, like, uh, what is it? Uh, um, absolute, uh, absolute power is, what is it? Absolute power is absolute corrupt, corrupt, corrupts absolute. You still there? Can you hear me? Yeah. Sorry. I, I muted you real quick. But oh, okay. No, you're fine. Kid was hollering. Oh, you're fine. Um, yeah. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that kind of happened in the end, but I mean, so, okay. Like. Hold on. Let me let me let me look up the name of this fucking town because that's really gonna bug me. It kind of Rajneesh City. Um, give me a second. In the early nineteen eighties. What the fuck is this name of this town? I, I, it starts with an A because it's gonna kill me now that I and I really 
Yeah, ruining the whole thing. Yeah. Blowing it. Rajneesh. <laughs> we can always delete this out. Rajneesh City. Antelope, Oregon. Antelope. So Antelope, Oregon was a town nearby that had, like, had 40 people. I think it had 49 people is what the, the sign said in the movie. So super small town, very Christian-based town, which, of course, why not? Um, there's nothing wrong with that. But the, this, these people moved in. These, these Basically these hippies, because they came around the 60s and stuff, and they were all having lots of free sex. And, and the part of this religion was, was free sex. And um, they were doing their thing. And these people didn't like it, so they kind of retaliated after these people. And there was people nearby, like ranchers nearby. They were like, well, we didn't want a big city built, you know, near our ranch. And, and I get that. I do, I do understand that. But it also doesn't give them the right to do what they did. But they kind of always started retaliating. Well, these people were like, well, fuck you. Like, we will go do something about that. And they ended up, like, getting crazy. They ended up poisoning the whole town um, with salmonella. And uh, yeah. there, there was the... Uh, um, the the county like they did a lot of stuff to near within that county they did a lot did a lot of stuff inside that within that county um they they started doing like weapons training and stuff like that buying buying weapons they had their own police i mean it was a city they had their own police force had their own hospital they had their own it, it, it was crazy all the shit these people had like a giant commune on steroids times a thousand like i said its own city and, and you could me or you could have went there they would. They wouldn't have stopped us. It's a city. You guys can have the freedom to come through. And they were. They were very big on like, hey, it's our freedom to exercise these rights and blah 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 blah. It's very honestly. The documentary is very libertarian, um, just because everything we believe in, they did, minus the Christianity and stuff like that. So yeah. all in all, like the lady Ma Anan Sherry, she she ended up getting kind of like. Got like way like to, to the absolute you know power, like she she went nuts. Like I said, poisoned a whole town with salmonella. They had their own like, they, they had their own lab on the, on this you know in this city. It's like it's a city. So they had everything you could think of, and I mean they 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 went crazy and basically she ended up leaving the commune along with like a bunch of people that like followed really close to her. And then this main head guy, towards the very end, like, stuff was going down where they were going to pretty much, like, go in the place and, like, you know, like, hey, look, you're done. And he ended up, like, flying off, which it made him look very, very guilty. And um, end up, like, spending, like, three weeks in, like, every prison you can think of in America. The U.S. Marshals, like, flew him from prison to prison to prison to prison to prison to prison, to prison like, day by yeah. day by day by day. But finally, he was like, I'm done. I can't take this anymore. So he ended up, like, pleading guilty to all these crimes because they tried fighting it. And then, of course, the government comes in and says, like, you know, hey, we're stronger than you. And we'll fight it and fight it and fight it. And and even though, honestly, these people in the end, I, I don't think they did much wrong, but... Um, he ended up like pleading guilty to a lot of stuff, and they said part of his uh they came to a, an agreement, you know, a, a plea, a plea settlement or whatever, and uh he had to leave the country and go back to India. So he did because he was from India, but he came here on a visa for a religious, blah 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 or whatever. You can do that, and uh, was able to stay here until then. So, anyways, the whole thing on the like I guess getting into that was like, <clears throat> like to me, it's like you know. <laughs> I was really torn when I was watching the documentary because in the beginning, these people, they, they created this this city. Cool. That's everything we dream of, creating our own city. 
and you know everything was fine. And it's like if this city was Christianity based, like I don't think anything ever would have been a big deal. But it wasn't, so okay, all right. And then these people like went nuts, and they started they they actually started kind of not attacking the city, but like doing things and like intimidating them. So that of course the city was like, okay, well fuck you, we're gonna we're gonna do the same shit back. So they started doing the same shit back, and then they you know politics politics came very heavily into it. And they were trying to influence a lot of elections and stuff like that. So it ended up spiraling right. out of control. But it was like, well, you know, like and, and I, I, I text the group earlier. I couldn't think of help like Gadsden flag, you know, don't tread on me. And like that, like that premise right there, those people right there, they, they, they created their own city based on their religion. Now we have this thing with, you know, separation of church and state. And that's, I get it. I understand that. But at the same time, like how many religions have basically created cities and they created states you know we'll take like uh you know uh salt lake city for instance the mormons created salt lake city you don't think the mormons have any influence in salt lake city you're fucking sadly mistaken uh the boston or sorry the catholics in boston they have tons of influence on what happens in boston so you know yeah i i i 100 percent am for separation of church and state but at the same time don't act like we have never done that in this country and, and and kept them you know together and they actually fought that. That was one argument that uh, that the the, uh, the 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 county made against these people because their 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 town was based on this religion. Well, it's like well, they're like well, hold on, you know. Obviously, that's kind of happens all over the United States. <clears throat> anyway, um, so anyways, back to the gas and flag thing. Like, don't tread on me. It was like you know, you know the rattlesnake. Like you know, rattlesnake is a very you know docile creature for the most part. Until you fuck with it. And then once you fuck with it, it strikes. And it is deadly when it strikes. And that's kind of how this ended up. Like, that 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 group of people, you know, and, and in the end, they became like thousands and thousands of people living in this city. And, like, they were like, you know, they were threatening to like, they were not threatening, they were like planning assassination attempts, they were poisoning towns, they were, I mean, they were doing all kinds of wild shit. And I yeah. wonder, I often, I mean, I just like, if they would have never been fucked with, they just would have been left alone to do their own thing, to exercise their free rights within this country, like 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 the country is supposed to be laid out. Would they have just kind of would that city be around today? And then let's just, just play crazy. Like, what if that city was a Christian based religion and they decided to set up shop, and then that small town was like, ah, okay, you know, whatever. I mean, because the people in the in in the documentary of the town nearby in Antelope, you know, Antelope. Uh, Oregon, they said, like, we don't like it. We don't like their religion. They were basically saying because they're not Christian. I mean, and it was like, well, I mean, that's kind of what this country's founded upon. I get you don't agree with it, and I understand that because it's fucking weird. I'm not, I'm not for free sex myself. I'm not a religious guy myself, and I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not for like a bunch of people fucking each other. At the same time, I will support anybody's right to go do that because that is what this country was founded upon. But how close were they to this town? Man, like not that close. Like, <laughs> I mean, I you know I should have looked that up. I, I I couldn't. It took me a while last night after the documentary finished to find out on the maps like where where this was. So hold on. Oh fuck! I just pulled it up. I still have it. So okay, antelope, antelope, Oregon. Okay route because huh. i end up having to look it up and find coordinates for it directions not available wow really well 
Um. Well, I don't know, but it's not close. But I guess if they're not close at all, then like, what yeah, whatever. Matter? But yeah. you know, if it was like a few miles down the road kind of thing, you yeah. know, like, like where you live compared to hey, you know, town it? of Wichita. Yeah, absolutely. I, I could maybe see it, but. And I do. I, I do. get. I get that. And that's the beauty about, you know, being able to vote within the county and stuff like that. Because like in right. the same time, they were within the county. You know they're in they're in Atlanta, some kind of county, and and, and ended up becoming like a, a county thing. Like it became a, a, a like a, lo- a small, very small thing, ended up growing <clears> into <throat> a very big, you know, county type thing, and ended up growing into yeah. where they end up trying to assassinate like a, a senator. <laughs> I mean, so it got like became, hmm. yeah. They closed down in eighty seven. So when we were ish born, like that's when the place was wiped out. Um, hmm. And it's funny. So there's this place now that bought it out. It's called Muddy Ranch. Which is a Christian-based, uh, you know, group, and uh, it's basically a camp, you know, a retreat, whatever you want to call it, and it looks fun. Like you can, you can. You, once I found it on the maps, and you could probably Google Muddy Ranch. Actually, now that we say that, uh, Muddy Ranch. I'm gonna Google Muddy Ranch, and uh, Muddy Ranch. Find to, out where it is. Yeah, <laughs> they were 18 miles away. <laughs> From the airport. And the airport's on the outskirts of town. <laughs> so yeah, you add yourself another mile or so till you get to the town. Yeah. Like, they weren't close. That, that's what's crazy. And, it, you know, you know me not being a very religious man myself, but at the same time, like, I think Christianity probably figured out, like, the best rules on how to run society. I 100% will, will agree with that. And I get, like... You know, they were probably afraid because it was something different and stuff like that. And, like, the the Christian way is kind of really the the better way of to run society. But at the same time, it's like, well, that's not not what this country was founded upon. Like, you know, I see it all the time. Actually, there was a congressman from uh, Texas today, or sorry, was trying to get to be a congressman in Texas today. Um, Back, you know, a couple months ago. Dave Smith was treating him. They were like in a battle, whatever, on Twitter. So I kind of followed yeah. it for a minute. And the guy was talking about bigotry and how, like, bigotry is not accepted in the Libertarian Party. It's like, well, hold on, dude. Like, you have to respect somebody's freedom to think the way he thinks, as long as it doesn't result in some sort of aggression. You know, like, if he's not, like, actively seeking out and hurting people. If he isn't, uh, you know, basically that's it. You know, vic- no vic- victimless crimes. And yeah. Like, like you, okay. Like, I support the KKK. I, you know, and, and I want people to think like, oh, we're white supremacists. No, fuck that. We're not Sound white. Like- yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no shit. But, uh, you know, it's like, I support their right, I guess I should say. God damn, because somebody's, uh, luckily I can edit that out. No, I won't. I don't give a fuck. Um. I, I support their right to do whatever they want. Like if you, I support your right to hate, to hate black people. I'm sorry, and that that sounds bad. I get it. I don't. I don't. I have black friends. I have Mexican friends. I have all. I have all sorts of colored friends. Asian friends. White friends. But it's like you have to support everybody's right, you know. And I don't get that. Like this guy was like talking about how bigotry is not allowed in the Libertarian Party. It's like, well, no. I mean. I, I, I get where you're getting at, but at the same time, you're just a Democrat that wants to shoot guns. 
Yeah. Well, it it gets back to the idea of, you know, and since you mentioned KKK, I'll just say the whole white nationalism thing or Richard Uh Spencer, right? For example. So the idea that people who want to govern themselves should be allowed to just go do it. Right. Mm -hmm. As long as they're not, you know, causing physical harm to somebody else. And in the broader context of where the country is at now, uh, that I think is the only thing we should be talking about, you know, like why should greater Texas have to deal with Austin, right? Or why should North kind of central California have to be stuck getting dragged around by LA forever? You know, why, why can't there be more of a breakup of, you know, who governs who and what counts. And if everything was kept on a local level, I don't think some of those issues would be such big deals culturally. I think the problem is, everything has become a national issue or a federal issue and we're all kind of stuck. So nobody really knows what to do about that. And we can't have that conversation without talking about, you know, white nationalism or black nationalism or, you know, Hebrew people or whatever. And it's unfortunate because at some point that's really the only conversation to have, right? Because we're all kind of naturally, tribal or in in the tribe thing doesn't have to be all the race stuff is what it always gets made to be in America. I mean, it could just be the Christians or the, you know, whatever the religion those people were in wild, wild West country or, or Mormons in Utah, for example, why, why does that have to be such a taboo? Because I think in the long term that's the only real solution as much as we love to talk about is a country. We love to talk about, uh, you know, diversity, uh, some kind of value, we really don't value it at all because when we say diversity, we want to have, you know, a bunch of people who think the exact same way. They just look different. Right. Like I want everybody to be an extreme left-wing person who's just good with whatever, as long as they all look different from each other. Yes. Right. And that's not really what diversity is, you know? And I don't know. I don't, it's going to be really hard to kind of break the taboo of being allowed to talk about, well, even in, you know, Kansas, where we're at, for example, why can't three quarters of the state separate from, you know, kind of the eastern edge where you have like Lawrence and Kansas City and Topeka and even even Wichita, for that matter? Mm-hmm. Uh, why does that have to be such a such a hard thing for people to discuss? And even on the it's kind of the idea of borders in this country is kind of a weird thing. And I'm not saying like, you know, open border Mexico thing is not really where I'm going. It's just. We need to have a mechanism for redrawing the map, even if we put it on a timeline where it's like, you know, we redraw congressional districts every like 10 years or something like that. So maybe we should redraw state boundaries every 50 years. Right. And and put it, put in place some mechanism to, to change the lines and and where they are. Otherwise we're just going to end up where these mega cities dictate to everyone. And then that's it. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, and that—that's exactly what's happening now, and we're—and it's going to continue to get worse. And I mean, you couldn't—you couldn't have nailed it any more when you said we all want to be uh, diverse, except have the same opinion but have a different skin color. Because to right. the left, that's all what diverse—that's all diversity is—is is, is a different skin tone and and gender. Well, and, and when gender. you think about America is like a corporate entity, mm-hmm. that's the that's the perfect example of corporate diversity because it's not really about innovation or really making a change, it's about compliance, right? And so anybody who's in the corporate world, you see that all the time and 
it's just compliance. And so mm-hmm. you need to show whoever it is that you're compliant with whatever the thing is. And the way you show that is with, oh, look, here's some women. Oh, look, here's some minorities. Oh, look, here's this. And you're not really after anybody who's genuinely different for the sake of being, you know, different because the different is magically good, right? You're just looking to check a box. Right. And that that's, you know, it all ends up just being kind of a superficial joke. The the draw redrawing state boundaries, that's state boundaries. That's very interesting. I mean Well, why why do we have like, to be stuck in these lines that were drawn in eighteen hundreds? This is the same problem that we yeah. have with these Middle East wars, is why should these people be stuck in these boundaries that were drawn a hundred plus years ago just because that's what they are? Right? Like why does that matter? Why do the lines on a piece of paper that don't really exist in real life, right? Yeah, why, why does yeah. that matter? And, you know, that eventually leads you into government and who really holds the power and, and what, where that power is going, because it certainly doesn't lie with individuals, right? Otherwise, issues like this wouldn't exist. Uh, you know, I would love to see a leftist argument against against redrawing straight boundaries because I'm 100% for that idea and leftists who are supposed to be open to open borders right um, sure I would love to see a leftist argue why because I argue against why we should do that because I could definitely see it I mean you know as well as I do that is they <laughs> that's just something they wouldn't be for you know I mean it's about power. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's, that's all it's about. And that'd be very interesting. Like, Well, I, there's a way to pitch it to them, too. I, the way the big one that I would pull up is look at a county-by-county county map of the 2020 election. Uh-huh. And in particular, look at the American South. And if you look at, like, Georgia, Alabama, you know, that, you know, the kind of the deep south area, there's a blue stripe that goes right through the middle of all of it, right? And that's where, like, Atlanta is and you know, several other bigger cities in the middle of the South, but they're surrounded by this really deep red territory. And so the argument cuts both ways, but in recent times it's been, even though there's a lot of people that live in this blue area, they're dominated by the bigger red region that's around them. And my argument towards a lefty would be, this benefits you guys because now you can take your, giant population in this big city in this big blue band that cuts across, you know, this geographic area and put all these people into a basket where the leaders that they get to pick represent the way that they feel. And they're not tied to, you know, the people that live in, in sort of the country in Georgia or whatever. Right. It's not just a conservative argument. I mean, it it benefits left-wing people too, because, you know, like even let's say Kansas, I mean, I, liberals in my family. Oh my gosh, Kansas looks bad again. Here goes Sam Brown back. Here goes, you know, Marshall endorsing Trump or whatever, and they hate it and they get in a tizzy. And so, okay, we'll just imagine a world where, you know, because you live in say, you know, Sedgwick County or Johnson County or whatever, that you're not tied to the rest of Kansas anymore. And if you guys have a bigger population and more money and, and whatever, fine, go, go do whatever you want to do and be in charge of yourself. Right. And, you know, I, I don't know why that would have to be such a hard one. I think the, the complicated thing is we've just had so beaten to our head this idea of this massive federal government that makes all these little borders not matter. But well, uh, it's got to happen because I think if we don't find a way to do it peacefully, then I, I, 
I kind of think that at some point in our lifetimes, and if not in our lifetimes, then not much long after that, there's there's going to be some kind of movement to do that. And so to me, mm-hmm. it's either we find a way to do this in a way that works and that is peaceful and that maintains sort of the economic power of the country as a whole, or we just wait for this to go really, really badly and it happens when it has to happen and we're not in control of it and we just end up, you know, whether it's a hot civil war or it's just a kind of soft collapse like the Soviet Union, which we don't want. So, No, I 100% agree with you. I mean, I feel like we have three options. It's either option one, which it makes the most sense, is to recognize that we have 50 individual countries, a.k.a. 50 individual states, and we should treat them states like countries. And uh, if you want to be a socialist and, uh, you know, you want uh, whatever you want, you want to be like that, then move to California, move to Oregon, move to Washington, uh, move to New York, and they can do that for you on that smaller scale. Right. And if you want to be a red-blooded American slash uh, conservative type, or you want to, you know, live within that, you know, that that sort of a, a sort of, um, uh, you know, lifestyle, then you move to the Midwest, or you know, you move to the South. Um, option two is to peacefully agree that we really the we have 50 states and we should just do that. <laughs> but really, it's peacefully agree to split the country in half. You know, we have a left and we have a right. And maybe we just go do that. Or option three is to do that same thing, but except instead of peacefully, we do it on a scale of war. And we have another civil war. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and to and me, the ideal thing would be just going back to states' rights because mm-hmm. we already have the mechanism in place to have 50 yeah. different countries. And yeah. then if everybody starts taking all their big national politics ideas – and pushing for them more at the state level, that gives the state governments a lot of power because, you know, you have things like the convention of states or the ability of a state attorney general to just flip the bird to the to the U.S. government. And then if enough uh-huh. other states go along with it, then the feds can't do anything. The states really do have a lot of power. Uh-huh. And then after we've established that, then I think it would be a lot easier, even without having to break up a state per se. You know, you could do a lot of things within your state that would allow local governments more control over that local area aside from the state government. I mean, it's the same thing you just did to the national government, except now you're doing it to the state government. You could totally walk it back, keeping the system that we have and and put it back to the way that it was more or less intended to be, where these are, you know, independent cities that exist within independent states that exist within a big independent nation. Um, you know, and then from there, maybe you can talk about, carving up the states and, and none of that would require some dramatic, you know, one four year president term back and forth. And, you know, while I'm ranting on that, that's the, the whole idea of the four year presidency, I think is stupid. I don't think it works anymore. I think mm-hmm. we would be better served with a, a single six year term and no reelection at all. Hmm. And just, just, just cut the campaign out of it. Right but then give them two extra years because then if there's going to be election bullshit tank the first year, right? So now you're, you basically cost a year of, of the, I don't know. There's, there's, there's things we could do. Well, they, they say that, you know, they say, well, I spent the first four years undoing everything that the previous president did. And the next four years is when I'm really going to do my thing. 
So I, I, mean, I, I, I get that. I get the, the six-year thing. That does make sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say you're, you're getting rid of an election cycle in the sense that you're not incentivizing somebody to pass a bunch of stupid laws in the hopes that they get reelected, right, because of this pandering or posturing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're also shortening the possibility of having eight years of the same person, right? So wow. you're, you know, because most presidencies are not a single term. They're almost always two terms. So Normally, yeah. You don't give somebody eight years, but with an election in the middle of it that saps probably three years total because they spend more time worried about the election and who they're going to pick to be this or that or the other. We need to get all that crap out of there. And then uh, I think age limits for Senate, uh, oh, term 100%. limits for sure. Uh, that doesn't concern me so much in the House of Representatives because they are up for election every two years. Right. Uh, the Senate is a six-year term. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, a lot of little interesting institutional changes we could make, I think, that would fix a lot of stuff. Term limits would be huge. I mean, that would be something, I mean... You know, you got people like Joe Biden, you know, the yeah. president of the United States now. Oh, hold on. Hold on. I said it. I did. QAnon is wrong. But um, he, he's president. But that fucking guy's been in politics for like 40 some odd years. I yeah. think it's almost like 50. I want to say 47. I may be mm-hmm. wrong on that. But it's been for fucking ever. It's been forever. And he has, hasn't done any good. I mean. No. You know, he, the 1990, 1994 crime bill is all about Joe Biden. He wrote the damn thing. and Yeah, yeah. You, you can thank him for a big part of the war on drugs. You can thank him for a lot of the Patriot Act stuff we have. He's one of the co-sponsors on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, the the assault weapons ban of the 90s, you know, I mean, yep. there's something yep. in there for everybody to hate with yep. Joe Biden. He's, yes. He's the embodiment of the American establishment. I mean, he's even yes. a super rich old guy who has made most of his money through shady deals because of connections. I mean, mm-hmm. that shouldn't even be something that's a taboo to talk about. And I'm not going to go on a Hunter Biden tangent, but I will say this guy's done nothing but been a politician almost since he got out of college. There was only like one year before he became a city councilman and then immediately jumped into Senate and he's been there forever. And then he was mm-hmm. vice president and then he sat out four years and now he's president. So yeah. how has this guy amassed so many millions of dollars just on that single salary, right? Now, that's yeah. fine, but think of all all the investment deals and things like that that senators have inside knowledge on, right? And then now think about the China stuff flying around the country. It's, this isn't something that should just be singularly damning towards Joe Biden. It's a We have a problem with the way that our system works because it allows these people to do this, and it is no longer about public service. It is about the institution and enriching oneself Uh and what can you do to protect the institution so that all the people that are there with you can continue to enrich themselves. You know, that this is one thing I think I'll probably agree with Antifa on. And I don't think they like Joe Biden. No, they don't. And that's one thing I would argue too, is, you know, for all Joe Biden's talk about unity, I think the big challenge for people on the right now and a, a challenge for people on the left too is going to be we have different ways of looking at the world and different things we would like to see take effect, but we all recognize that something is wrong and what we have right now isn't working. And so I think it would be nice if we could somehow merge those two groups to eliminate the thing that we have now under the pretense that we agree to go our separate ways after the fact, Uh right? Like 
let's throw off these chains together and get off of the tax plantation. Hmm. But then I'm going to go left and I'm going to go right. See ya. Yeah. And just leave it at that. I, that. I don't think that should have to be such a thing that's so culturally hard to, to move, to move towards. Cause even with the left, you know, as much as the media narrative has been, Oh my gosh, the assault in the Capitol. I mean, that's kind of what Antifa wanted to do. They were just able, never able to do it. Right. And right. so I don't know. Well, you know, and I often wonder if there's something psychologically like with the left that like says like, I think this way. So everybody should think this way. Yeah, it is because it's more of a, it's a, it comes from a place of, of collectivism, right? Mm-hmm. They view yeah. everything as a unit. It's group think it's, that's the very idea of socialism or communism, right? Is that you, right. you move as a unit, right? Even the mm-hmm. Democrat party, right? They generally vote as a block. So it's very ingrained in them that every person is part of the beehive, Right. And so the bees that don't help the beehive have to go away, which would be the extreme view of like Antifa versus right wing people. Whereas on the right, you know, regardless of how pure you are, the right is still rooted in a sense of individualism. Right. Where it's Uh it's me against the world, no matter what, at the end of the day. And so we view ourselves as more autonomous. And that's also part of why you don't see right wing movements very often like the thing at the Capitol because people just on the right tend to not move in big groups like that. Like it's kind of unusual, but it's really common on the left and you'll see it all the time. But I would just think that where those two interests overlap, you know, hopefully we start seeing more, uh, more stuff moving in the same, same direction, you know, and I, and Bernie Sanders is an interesting one to me because he represents that to an extent. And I think a lot of people can see it is that, He's very, very good at picking out the right problem and speaking to the things that everybody notices and everybody feels and thinks are bad. Uh The difference is, like myself and Bernie Sanders have wildly different ways of addressing these issues, but picking the issue in the first place is half the battle. And so that's what makes him such a, a popular figure because he's good at that. Oh, yeah. And I think that would be one... Like even all this stuff with Tulsi Gabbard lately, you know, kind of the the appeal to people on the right is that she's she's picking on those common issues, uh-huh. right? Like she's she's still for socialized medicine and you know free college and all this other lefty stuff that we would generally hate, but she's very good on like individual liberties and anti-war and responsible government spending, you know, aside from the socialist stuff, and that has to be the future, you know. And so how do we? I don't know. The shits of it is there's just not very many of those people. There's one Tulsi Gabbard. There's one Rand Paul. There's one Thomas Massey. You know, you just. Right. Well, like I was saying earlier, like if 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 more Democrats were like Tulsi Gabbard, I don't know. I might vote Democrat because. No, I agree. I, I think if because, that was like, the norm, I, mean, I think if you could pull the left towards Tulsi Gabbard, then, yeah, oh. I think there's a lot of people that are right there because yeah. one argument on the left that I think. They don't all make it, and it's probably a pipe dream, but I can understand it at least, is that, hey, if we shrink this massive military-industrial complex and we don't have all these foreign wars and maintain all these bases overseas, look how many trillions and trillions of dollars we spend on that. Maybe if we quit doing that, we can then consider maybe it would be better to spend this money on an industry like 
healthcare or education or something like that. I'm not saying they would ace it or that it would be perfect. I'm just thinking, well, that's at least logic that I can understand, right? I know how you're getting from point A to point B. And so that's a worthy discussion. You're not just pulling shit out of your head or shit out of your ass and, you know, rolling with it. Right. And if that's the approach the left takes, then I'm okay with that because we can have the conversation about, you know, Medicare for all or whatever, if there's this pile of money sitting there, right? The problem now is that there's no pile of money sitting there. And I'm, I'm not saying that I would be for Medicare for all if we weren't fighting wars, because I'm for government not spending any of my money at all, but uh, it's at least rational. Right, right, right. Well, there's a you know big difference between, you know, voluntary charity and involuntary charity. Sure. And taxes aren't charity. That's the yeah. easiest way to put it. It's yeah. like you're not a good person because the government took money from you and then spent it on health care. Not right. 100%. That's, that's very different from somebody giving freely of their own to help somebody in need. Yeah. One is a moral position that reflects on the individual. And one is just some shit you forgot about that just happens because there's nobody out there who like looks at their paycheck and, oh man, I'm so glad they just took extra social security from me or, or <laughs> right, whatever right right yeah that's you know and that goes back to what i said earlier when i said like i think christianity was the best way to kind of govern and stuff like that because without christianity i mean i don't know what was pre-christianity if they had charity but i i feel like christianity probably created charity and i could be completely wrong on that but i'm gonna say i am right now i'm right on that and um like that's not being a religious guy, but it makes sense between the the Christianity way of of of, of governing things, because like it, it's a, uh, Christianity and charity is all about voluntary charity. Like, hey, we have these homeless yeah. people, and do would you like to donate some of your money to help these people out? We are trying to help these people out, and I'd be like, hell yeah, you know what? Cool. I don't like them to be homeless. I'm going to give you a hundred bucks instead. Like these these lefty people, they want to be like, nah, I want the government to force you to give those people, a, you know. It's like no, like the the uh, the uh, the non-aggression principle that is huge, and I and I don't understand why people can't figure that out. But anyway, yeah. So on your Christianity rant, there's uh-huh. uh, you know, it's the idea that a rich guy gives all this money to a cause, yeah, and then this poor woman puts everything she has into the same bucket even though it's only like, you know, a couple cents basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the meaning behind that couple cents is a greater reflection on her as an individual than all the money that the rich guy gave because to the rich guy with the stuff he put in there, even though that it was more is nothing to him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so the emphasis there is on the person making a good altruistic choice, right. To do good. And that will have a greater impact on the world than all the money that this guy is spending. And so if you follow Elon Musk or any rich people at all, really, you know, one of the things they'll tell you is that it's really hard to spend money on charity and then have it actually go somewhere. And it's because the money is really only part of it. I mean, a lot of it is the culture has to exist in such a way that the culture does good on its own. Uh And so you talk about pre-Christianity and I'm, you know, this isn't to say that nobody ever did a good thing for anybody before Christianity, but one example that I'll point out would be uh, orphanages, right? So in sort of the Roman world, the standard procedure for like an unwanted kid was to just abandon them, right? Yeah. Or, or sell them into slavery, or if it was a, a baby or a toddler, 
one thing they would do is, is leave them outside town, outside the walls, and then yeah. just forget about them. And, and that was norm, right? The kids didn't have rights. We, we still struggle with do kids have rights to this very day. But that was acceptable back then. And then sort of dawn of Christianity, you have a greater emphasis to care for children. And the reason here is because children are weak and they have no rights and they're not really good for anything, right? So it's a very humbling thing to do to take on the burden of caring for children who offer you basically nothing in return, uh-huh. right? Because children are just kind of a, a commodity, so to speak. Uh-huh. And so you start having these orphanages built up, right? To, to rescue and take in some of these kids. And, you know, over time, obviously that's a, a net good for society. And people don't think about that story anymore because it's not, it's not so much of a, a, a clear cut right or wrong at the time, right? Because if you lived in Rome pre-Christianity and that was just the norm that you always grew up with, you wouldn't think twice about it. But, but once that happens and we all recognize that even if it's imperfect at times, it's a better direction of moving society. I mean, you, you can't separate that from the place that it came from. It's the, I would say one thing that the founders understood, I'm kind of fast forwarding here, is when they say one nation under God, uh-huh. these guys who wrote that were not necessarily super religious guys, but they understood the sort of philosophy of what it meant to have one God. Right. So if you have one God that wants this certain set of things and everybody under that God who believes in that God, right? Even if it's just in a philosophical standpoint is pursuing those goals, then everything's going to be fine. The second you replace that God with another God who views something different, well, now you're going to have a clash between the people with different gods. Even if these two gods are just philosophies, right? We're still not talking about uh-huh. actual deities yet. Uh-huh. And so what we see in society now is the idea of the one God and the things that came with that, right? The Judeo-Christian God are getting set aside and they're being placed with another God, which, well, I would say several gods, but you know whether you want to say that that's the state Right. And there's a lot of talk now, like if you follow guys like Michael Malice and stuff, they refer to it as the cathedral huh. of like yeah. politics and that apparatus. And yeah. uh, the woke stuff is kind of its own church. You know, uh, sports can be kind of a religion. There's there's all these other things that get in the way of it. And when you start pursuing those, then then that's where you're going to start having problems, because each different God system has different values on different things. And as far as what benefits society those aren't all necessarily good things or things that matter. So what is the best though? I mean, is it Christianity? I mean, this is obviously the state. It could be, it gets corrupt very quickly. I guess if the, if the state, well, the, the problem, the problem with, with anything other than say Christianity in our context is so let's let's just take something simple like don't kill, right? Yeah, okay. But now instead of don't kill coming from a god that is greater than both of us, it's coming from an individual sitting in a leather chair in a building, right, that somebody voted for. Mm-hmm. So how does that definition of kill change now that it's something that's under control of people as opposed to 
a, a third party, right? An, an actual God uh-huh. that we believe in, right? Because if you believe in that God, you're not going to do that because there's ramifications for doing that. Sure. But if it's just a person saying it, you know, you know how words can change and things can mean other things as time goes on. Uh-huh. How How is that viewed different, right? So how do you feel about uh, don't steal, right? Do you think taxation is theft? I mean, do you think that somebody taking money from somebody without their express consent is a is a form of, of theft and things like that? I'm not saying like it all has to be black and white, good receival, but it's you see how the language kind of marches over time to where now you're talking about something completely different, right? Mm-hmm. Huh. And so when you when you do away with God and you replace it with other gods. Uh, you're just you're asking for for problems and that's what the founders understood that's why it's written into like declaration of independence and things like that because they under like here's a good one read a read a book called on liberty by john stuart mill and he he touches on some of this and it's it's more just about kind of the philosophy of freedom but he touches on religion and stuff in there too and he's not even a particularly religious fellow but that's one of the things he talks about in there is this sort of philosophy of it and why it works and why it's necessary for things like freedom and stuff. And he even argues, you know, that you could maybe do this, not even in an expressly Christian standpoint. And that book was written in the early 1800s. So he was like the first generation to maybe have been a kid and remember the founders, but he wasn't really from that era. And it just shows you that in the early time of this nation, when people were thinking about how we're going to do things, Mm -hmm they put a lot of thought into it and they thought about all this philosophy stuff, you know, part of their classical education and stuff. And mm-hmm. we don't do that anymore. And so, no, you know, I'm, I'm Christian. Uh, I believe in God. I go to church, send my daughter to uh, school and, you know, we read the Bible and do stuff like that. But I will tell you that even Christians that I know, and it's a struggle, but to understand the, philosophy of religion and being able to talk about it from that standpoint, as far as rather than just tell you what I believe in the sense of like, you know, the supernatural or stuff that might seem weird to somebody, here's, here's the philosophy that comes with that. And this is why it works. And and there has to be an ability, I think, to make both of those arguments kind of run into one. And a lot of people can only make the one argument. And so a lot of people struggle with it because they don't really grasp you know, everybody sees churches, but we nobody really talks about the broader implications of like what we just talked about. Like, you know, there's yeah. one God versus 10 gods. Yeah. That's where I think I think I get like <clears throat> the philosophy of religion or Christianity, sorry, I think is, is great. I mean, it makes so much sense. I mean, it makes sense, I guess, because the United States, it was based off that. That philosophy of Christianity, and um, obviously, look at what we've done the last 250-ish, not quite 250 years, but close, you know, 245 years. Um, We've made a pretty damn good thing, and... uh, Well, so we made a good thing, mm -hmm. and then we forgot what it took to make the thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so we've seen stuff drift away from what it was, and we're wondering what went wrong and it's because we kind of got away from the roots and that's not to say 
<clears throat> everything has to be necessarily clubbing you over the head with religion because it's more of a, a society-wide thing. It's what is morality, right? Is objective truth and, and where do those things come from? And so even if you're not religious, but you're pulling off the same morality well as, say, Christianity in this case, then everything is going to keep moving in that same direction and it's going to be harmonious and peaceful and, and whatever else. But right. you start injecting in kind of the relative morality, right? And so now we have all this kind of woke stuff, right? And the kind of war on, you know, traditional masculinity or the war on the nuclear family and all this other stuff. And we see the ramifications of that. And it doesn't mean that there can be no good once we abandon that stuff. It just means there's going to be a lot less of the kind of good that got us to the place that we were. And so if we're wanting to keep climbing up that ladder or maintain our presence on that ladder, we're not going to do it by running away from that stuff. And, you know, I would just point out on that note that the concept of hospitals is in a lot of ways, a derivative of Christianity. Like it was mostly Christians who went around building that stuff and staffing that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, schools like in America, Harvard, Yale, all the Ivy league, yeah. Every single one of those started as a Christian school and just over, you know, really recently, it wasn't really that until real recent, fairly historically speaking, that they got away from that. Right. And, and got injected with all this woke stuff because once the uh -huh. Christianity moved out, right. To be nice and egalitarian and do away with religion and stuff, you know, we start seeing all this woke crap and it's like, well, I mean, what did we really expect? And some of that's on, it's the fault of American Christianity for, for kind of going soft and not really holding the line and has done itself no favors, you know, in a lot of ways when it comes to dealing with culture stuff. Uh, I don't know the further we drift away from it, you know, regardless of if you're going to the pews or something. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a good thing. No, I actually, I a hundred percent agree with that. And me being the non-religious guy, like I, I, I understand that. Like, the more we we dive into that wokest culture, like Jesus, Jesus, what the fuck are we doing? You know, I mean, like that doesn't make any sense. You know, uh, no. one of our friends earlier today, they they passed a thing today, or or sorry, I think he signed an executive order. Biden signed an executive order about uh, allowing. Tran transgendered uh, men, males, that's the property, or that's a proper term, into women's restrooms. Like, what the fuck are we getting ourselves into? Like, that right. that's not okay, because, I mean, I, I can I can be a pervert. I can be like, hell yeah, and I'm going to go, I'm going to, I am a male, or I'm a female. I And, and go in there and, and, and hop over the stall door and look at girls pissing, and, and, and it's just, that's super fucked up. On so many levels, but yet here we well, are. It, it gets back to that abandoning that that single God thing, yeah. right? Because you now we're using language like liberty and freedom and, and mm -hmm. stuff like that, but we're doing it outside of the context of the moral values of the one God, right? Right. So now we've inserted something else and we're corrupting that language. So, you know, that's another good example of of why it doesn't work when you remove the religion from the philosophy because now you're just stuck with words and those words are just interpreted by whoever's in power. So now freedom yeah. and Liberty and stuff, it means something else because even in the Bible, uh, inject my own word, I guess, but there's a lot of stuff about guardrails, right? It's like you can have all this stuff a certain way, but you have to know where the line in the sand is. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So like in uh, Daniel would be one where he's captive in Babylon and, you know, he dresses like a Babylonian, has a Babylonian name, uh, but he wants to worship his own God and, and eat his own food. Right. So he'll, he'll hang out with the king and do all this stuff and live like a Babylonian. But, you know, when it comes to his prayer time and whatever, he wants to do it his way, not their way. And so that has to be a thing. Right. It, within Christian culture. Uh And that kind of went away in America. And so now you have like Biden who would be, you know, Christian, Catholic, whatever, but there's no guardrail there. So it's, it's abortion. It's trainees in the bathroom. It's, it's whatever it's. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm so in Babylon, it would be if Daniel's a Jew that put up a guardrail and he's still keeping his own traditions, but he's able to live in that society. People like Biden or even a lot of modern Christians would be the Jews who are, Jewish by birth, right? Or I grew up Jewish or I'm aware of Jewish tradition, but I'm entirely culturally Babylonian, right? So we, we're mm-hmm. seeing that now. I guess my thing is, where, do you, have... where do you draw the line though? Like, because I, uh, uh, I'm for freedom, well, you know? So what they did is they've crushed masculine, in my opinion. The issue isn't so much as to where we draw the lines, the issue is just having the balls to draw the lines. And so all during this stuff, I think what we've seen is is a war on masculinity. And I don't mean that that has to be something that only comes from men. I'm just talking about sort of the masculine virtues, which I kind of just boil down to the ability and willingness to say no when saying no is unpopular, right? Oh. So the ability to stand up to the front of the cave and tell a grizzly bear to fuck off, even though it might come at great personal risk or personal harm to yourself or whatever you have, or, you know, as a parent breaking your kid's heart because they can't have a candy bar at the grocery store, because you know that as a parent you've budgeted for this or that or the other, the kid doesn't understand that they're going to be unhappy with you and think you're evil and all this other crap, but it's necessary. And so I think we know where the lines are, right? We know that it's, uh, trannies in the wrong bathroom in the school, right? We would agree that maybe, I mean, think about this. Other than direct family members, who drops their kids off to be bait by a teenage boy? No one. Mm-hmm. But everybody does that with teenage girls. So it's not as if we don't know that there are rules as far as behavior and, and what is good and what is safer and things like that. And even tie into the drug thing out earlier the problem with drugs it's not really even a legal thing it's a culture thing there has to be a strong that says these things are problematic or these things can be very problematic and so we frown on them collectively we don't glorify them or or put them on some pedestal and there has to be an openness about that and there has to be a degree of shaming that goes along with that right like bring back the idea of shaming the town drunk. And I don't mean to be, you know, where you're not going to go get help or something like that. It's not my point. It's just, there needs to be a resurgence of a sort of honor culture that, that puts uh-huh. stock in these masculine virtues of saying, just because culture says that this transgendered person should be able to play women's Olympic soccer doesn't mean that we all have to do it just because it's going to make a group of people upset. There has to be people willing to, make people upset 
and then hold the line against that, right? There has to be a guardrail. Otherwise, the culture that exists but then loses the guardrails isn't going to exist for very long. It's going to just get steamrolled by anything that comes, right? Because there's no longer man standing in front of the cave when the grizzly bear comes to eat his family. And that's where we are. So I don't think the issue is so we don't know where to draw the lines. I think everybody down knows exactly where the lines need to be. It's just having the guts to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think not to, to spin back into politics too much, but I will hit on, I think with Trump, that's what a lot of people hoped would happen. And that obviously didn't happen or it happened in the wrong way. And then I would say even yeah. Obama to an extent was another moment where everybody was hoping maybe we'll get some lines or some clarity and then it ended up not happening. Right. I guess that kind of goes with the, uh, you know, I advocate for freedom. And along along those lines, I know that some people are going to make bad decisions. Now. Mm-hmm. Freedom is dangerous. It, it very much so is. And, you know, for society, those some of those decisions those people make are going to be bad decisions for society. So for a society... We need to be able to say, hey, man, what are you doing? But we also don't need to have government be involved with the, you know, the big power and say, you can't do that. You know, we need to, as, as, as a collective, say, hey, no, that's not a good idea. And that goes back to the Christianity uh, morals or the Christianity one philosophy God. and one yep. God. And that kind of says, like, hey, everybody's we under the same God. Yeah. And so I'll even tie that into our conversation we had earlier about kind of the nationalism stuff right like why can't there be black town and white town and whatever town well you're kind of doing the same thing on a smaller scale there right you're you're letting people exist in a group where they all have the same god right mm-hmm. and so government's job is to just not let one group start beating up the other group well so what would be the problem with letting a bunch of people move out to a commune where they leave each you know leave everybody else alone but they do their own thing that's not an advocation for like to say that other things would work better. It's just, that's, it kind of is proving the same point. That's what the whole one nation under God thing really does from a philosophy standpoint is it puts us in a position to have moral clarity and then move forward with that. And so the more we start rejecting that more problems we're going to have. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that makes so much sense. I don't, I, I think is, I don't know why I'm saying this, but <laughs> the further we get away, get away from uh, Christianity, the further our nation just kind of, you know. Right. Well, I mean, think about like something like the Ten Commandments and how basic those really sound today, uh-huh. right? Don't kill, don't steal, don't cheat on your wife, don't, you know, go be adulterous with a bunch of other people. And then, you know, there's a reason why the first few are don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't have any other false gods besides me, you know, because it knows that all this other stuff that comes after this, if you do away with these top two, these don't matter because they're going to go away real fast. Sure. So there's, there's an intent behind that. And that's what we're seeing is you start casting out the God and the philosophy that comes with that. Yeah. The rest is just words that, you know, some government can reinterpret and reinterpret and reinterpret. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I would, I don't know, that that makes a, me being a libertarian, and this is always something I've kind of struggled with is like, because I I guess I I would say I probably have very much Christian values. And, uh, you know, 
But I also agree with freedom. And I agree with anybody's right to do that. But for the betterment of society, it's like, well, I mean, is that going to be a good idea to go do that? You know, is that re- and we don't I guess we don't really know if, if a religion, if another religion besides Christianity wants to do their thing and maybe their society is good. You know, if it's a peaceful society and all in all, it probably will follow the kind of the same Christianity morals. Maybe the free sex thing. Or let's, we'll go back to the, the Rajneesh thing we talked about in the beginning of the episode. And, uh, you know, like, who knows? Let's say those people would have been left alone and they would have been able to do their own thing. And, you know, maybe that would have been a great society because at the, at the time their society was uh, it was drug free. It was crime free, which is obviously two major things. Um, you know, there was no no aggression in their society. And that that is kind of grounds for a good society. Now, those are also based off of kind of the the uh, the basis of Christianity, you know, the non-aggression. I mean, that really is the basis of Christianity. Um, the free sex thing is kind of like uh, that's not obviously. But I mean, whatever. I guess everybody in that society is okay with that. I mean, so we we start a society, you know, and that's kind of how our society is based today. Is is, is ba- our societies are based off Christianity? I mean, what say we couldn't do it some something different? Uh, I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is, could it be? I guess is that, that's my question of is could it be? Could it, could it, could our society be based off something other than Christianity? You know, the Rajneeshism, whatever it, we were talking about at the beginning of the episode. Was was that that religion is? I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean look it's at, look at look at a Muslim country, uh, Israel. Yeah, a Jewish country. Look at Tibet, where they have Buddhism. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can do it if you're picking if you want to pick what your single god is or whatever. Uh-huh. But look at those places exist. Like look at uh, the more religiously Hindu areas of India, and uh-huh. look at the societies that those create and the way people live and the customs that they have. And then decide, is that what you like? And, and when you say, could we do something different and, you know, move society forward? Well, what does forward mean, right, for any one of these places? And are these worlds you want to live in? And so if you have a value system or an idea, which one puts you in that direction of where you would want to be? I mean, these other systems, they exist. And not as if they don't. I think the argument here becomes in my opinion, is a lot of people are afraid of God because of the ramifications of God existing, right? Because it means that ultimately accountability for the failures or things that move forward. So I think in America, especially and in the Western world in general, there's a push to how can we strip the things that we like from Christianity and put them in a bucket Mm-hmm. And then have them still work the way that they do, but then leave behind the things that we maybe don't like about Christianity. Sure. Yeah. But here again, you run into that problem of you've pulled this philosophy out of the the God that made it possible, and sure. it's not going to last because now you're just stuck with words on paper. And right. And so yeah. that sits in a building with people and it changes over time. You almost have to invoke a sort of supernatural in order to keep a philosophy pure and meaningful. Otherwise it just ends up being nothing. And we don't have to go in today because we'd probably end up going for another several hours, but (laughs) maybe that's where aliens come in. I think that's a modern thing that we're seeing is there. 
removing from God and the supernatural and going to try to put onto aliens, even if the aliens aren't real or you never see them or there's no UFO or nothing. Sure. Right. There's, there's, yeah. there has to, almost has to be a great other. Right. Right. I guess what I was going to get at, getting at was also like all these other religions, they all, <laughs> you know, we want to base our society off of uh, just, I mean, the Christian has great morality, right? We can all agree on that. Like, and is every religion or religious society based off of that same morality? So is Christianity the... In the end, is Christianity the ultimate thing? I mean, they're all kind of a Christianity version 2.0, 3.0, 4.0. You know, that's what I was kind of wondering, you know, or getting at, I guess. Uh, I mean, in my opinion, uh, sure. I mean, I, th I think there's things that people can stumble on and realize that they're true because they've always been true. Right. Uh -huh. And so even if it's not necessarily coming directly or knowingly from Christianity, I would say the thing with Christianity is that one guy basically made the whole place to work in a certain way. Uh -huh. And so people can uncover the rules of that simulation, so to speak, without having to know, the framework of the simulation that they're in, if that makes any sense. So could yeah, people independently wonderful. stumble on, you know, the idea that, Hey, the big group needs to work together and kind of believe in things or, Hey, killing isn't good. I mean, sure. Those things can absolutely happen individually, but that's not really that special because the whole thing was still written by the, that's kind of where Christianity comes in, right? Because this philosophy is, it's kind of all encompassing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, I. Uh, so you you can't really rob from it and claim for it to be an independent discovery because Christianity's saying that this was baked into the cake from the start. So you can't discover yeah. and say this doesn't come from here or whatever. Right, 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 right. That's why I, I just Christianity is an isn't a very. It's so interesting to me. I mean, I mean, I I grew up very Christian. I mean. Not very Christian, I shouldn't say that, because my parents weren't religious at all. But I started going to church at a very young age, and I liked it, and I thought it was great. And then I was in a church, or church orchestras, and I, I, I was very involved in the church. And then I just kind of saw how corrupt churches can get. So that's why I'm not religious sure. myself, because churches, well, a a branch, not say a branch, a an arm or so, you know, something of Christianity because each individual church can be completely different from what the actually the 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 actual message means. They can be very corrupt and they can be very very dangerous. And I feel like I went to churches that did that. So that made me actually lose touch out of Christianity. And then I've developed my own thinking behind it, and, you know, we've talked about that time and time again and how I think Christianity is a sort of a uh, it was a kind of a a way to govern and it makes the honestly it makes the most sense way to govern. So in I'm a very weird person because in the end, like I think Christianity is the best way to govern people. You know, it's it's the best way to have a civilized society. The, the ultimate way to have a civilized society, morality maybe comes from Christianity. Now, do I believe the the uh, the part of Christianity being how it was um, Jesus was the the ultimate and God created, you know, the heaven and the earth, and Jesus was his only begotten son, and I kind of say, no, that seems like far-fetched to me. But I do believe Christianity is the best way and the most moral way to run a society. And yes, I 100% sure. agree on and that. I, and I would say with the American founders, I'm not going to say they didn't believe in Jesus or anything like that, 
Um, and you should. You're a terrible person for not. But <laughs> I'm sorry. They, they recognize <laughs> the the philosophy, and that's where you're at least at now is that yeah. you recognize that yeah. there's meaning behind this philosophy, mm-hmm. even if I'm not necessarily super devout. Yeah. And at an absolute minimum, America has to find a way to get back to that or let those people that do that leave so that it can be preserved somewhere else so that when they finish burning their rest of their crap down, there's still something left 100%. to pick up the pieces. Yes. I could not agree more. I could not agree more. Um, okay. So next. Uh, do you think T-Rex had a fully erect penis all the time? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was my next thing I want to talk about. Dinosaur dicks. <laughs> so, you read on this a little bit too, I see. And uh, I I didn't read much on the dick, but I did read on the vagina. So let's hear from you about the T-Rex penis. Well, so they found a fossilized butthole. Yes. Of a did. dinosaur. And they're basically like birds. It's a cloaca. Reptiles yes. have kind of the same thing. Uh-huh. But it's a really unusual shape. So not all birds, but a lot of birds, they just kind of touch buttholes to mate. Yes, they do. There's not really a lot of penetration going on. So hold on. Scissoring um, is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Bird scissoring. Scissoring's fun. <laughs> uh, but the the way this particular dinosaur's uh vent was shaped sort of suggested that it would have had to have been a a penetrative sex. Uh And so the animal that they thought that it was the most similar to is actually the alligator. And I didn't know this at the time, but I went down that rabbit hole like, oh, well, so an alligator has a permanent boner. Uh It just keeps it kind of tucked up inside and there's like a nerve and muscles that retract and it, here's my nuts and my dong. And it sucks it back in, right? Ready so, to deploy. Yeah, T-Rex quite possibly walked around with a giant T-Rex side rager all the time. He just kept it tucked. Can right? you imagine so how large a, and charged that motherfucker was? If you've ever been was? a high school male, you know you know all about having to tuck the boner to hide it. So <laughs> Throw it T-Rex was walking around with a tucked boner everywhere he went. <laughs> Could you imagine? I mean, uh, the T-Rexes, I mean, they're big. They're big. Well, yeah, the, their skeletons are fucking big. That that boner was, I mean, it was, well, goddamn, it was bigger than my forearm. Because a horse dick is big as my forearm. Can you imagine? I mean, is that a good size? Does that work? <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine tucking that bear inside you all day long. But that is probably the most efficient way. That has to be the most efficient way, which it does make sense because some mammals, like the boner is an actual bone. I mean, their dick yeah, is an actual have a bone. bone. Yeah, that does make sense because like us, you know, you got to get it hot and bothered. You got to get it going before everything works out and the blood flows and it gets erect. And we also have, you know, sometimes erectile dysfunction. Well, in the animal kingdom, that doesn't exist because being able to mate, is the ultimate, and spread your seed and offspring is the ultimate thing to do. So it makes sense why they have a boner all the time. So that would make sense why T-Rex had a, a raging giant hard-on that was probably as big as my leg, or if not bigger. T-Rex, oh, yeah. T-Rex dick. <laughs> T-Rex dick is the ultimate dick. <laughs> I mean, that's probably why he didn't need hands, right? Oh, hell or no. He had a arms. dick. He fucking didn't matter. He arms, that. man. Really? Just rub it on a tree or something. <laughs> T-Rex is actually a tripod. 
He's like, that explains that's why I never fell down. He didn't need them arms anyways. Evolution was like, well, I don't need them fucking things. So on that same note, weird dinosaur stuff. Did you see that they developed a chicken embryo? With a snout a while instead back, of a beak. Yes, a while back. So, I, I believe you sent that to me. Yeah. But go ahead. No. So they've done that before with chickens. They've, they've, so the way a chicken's foot looks, and then if you look at like a, you know, the way a T-Rex's foot looked, they're similar, but they're different in the way that they're arranged. Mm-hmm. Well, they've also done that with chickens where they've made them have the arrangement of like a dinosaur foot. So the argument that, you know, so dinosaurs, did not evolve into birds. Dinosaurs are an extinct sort of separate type of animal. Like, you know, we have reptiles and birds and mammals. There was also dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Dinosaurs were just closer, somewhere in between birds and reptiles. And that group of animals doesn't exist anymore, Mm -hmm. but they probably had the most in common with birds. And there was probably more crossover with regards to birds and the way that they work. And, uh, so what they're doing is is with, you know, all this new genetic information and power we have is things like chickens, right? They can induce these changes. So rather than being like Jurassic Park where they have to find, you know, T-Rex DNA and then replicate it, they're learning enough about genetics where they can just turn on and off certain ones and see what the result is. Mm-hmm. And then the more they figure out, you know, there's a possibility that you could engineer a dino chicken, right? That instead of having a beak has a snout with teeth and then a dinosaur type foot. Right. So they're, they're making a lot of progress on stuff like that. While I am very excited about that, like I want to see that so bad, you know, because I want to see what dinosaurs look like at the same time. It's like, well, we all know how Jurassic park ended. Mm -hmm. I mean, that never ends good. And if these people think they're like, oh, this is complete nonsense, ah, ha, ha, ha. like, well, it's going to end bad. It really will, because we're going to eventually have a full-size fucking T-Rex trying to kill people. I think that's actually going to be the next big arms race is genetic stuff. So we kind of went through this whole era where the nuclear stuff was the biggest threat to the world. Mm -hmm. And while that's still a threat and will probably always be a threat, uh, think of all this genetic technology that we have Mm -hmm. in about 100 years from now when everybody has it. Yeah. Right. It's not just a few good people in a lab. It's literally everyone. So are you going to have genetically altered humans that, that are engineered to be more terrible or, you know, or better or, or whatever? And then what's the morality behind that? Does it does a country like China just start making everybody into drones and then making their elite class into like super soldiers? And then does a country like America, you know, do we ban it? say we don't do it but then some other country does and they're all predators you know what i mean like that, that's sure, a bridge yeah. we're gonna have to cross i mean you when you say america bans it we ban it and then we uh i just throw it out there quotes. as an idea you know yeah. i mean because whoever doesn't do it if everybody else is doing it well then you're going to be screwed but the yeah. people who are doing it doesn't mean they're doing it with good or neutral intent and then if you're engineering a better slave well, nobody would really say that's good because you're robbing a, a human life of its potential. It would be the same as an abortion in that standpoint. Sure, yeah. Right? yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're removing the possibility from something. So, I mean, in, that, that's, a, that's a good path to go down real quick. Like, like they have CRISPR in, in, in China, mm-hmm. right? So, 
they're, let's say they gen- they're genetically altering a whatever uh, a human. We'll say a human, and they're making them stronger. Should we say that that's you know that's obviously playing God and it's not right? And then they can make them they can jump higher, they can they can lift more, they can they can pull more, they can push more, they can you know. And then pretty soon they're they're taller. And then you know instead of the average male being over in China like four foot tall, they're they're five foot tall. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, but you know they're playing God, but at the same time like. Also, I, I I like to, th- I mean, I don't know. Like, part of me says, like, well, did God, you know, because they say, you know, per, we're supposed to do this. You know, like, God had, a, he set all this out. You know, is that is that is that a temptation to go down that road? Is that bad? Or is that actually what God intended? You My know? thought on this is that I think that if we have the ability to do something uh-huh. about a problem, then morally we kind of have the obligation to do something. Sure. Right? So in the case of the CRISPR babies in China, the first couple sets, because there's been multiple since then, Yes. the story was that they were trying to make them more resistant to HIV yes. by switching off just a couple genes. Uh-huh. The issue there is that we don't know enough about human genetics to know that, well, did flipping that switch for HIV – is that going to have 200 other side effects later on when these girls are in their 30s and 40s that could be extremely detrimental, right? And then if they were to have kids, what potential changes does this cause for the offspring? So uh-huh. there's a lot of moral uncertainty in regards to the long-term outcome. Yeah. But the immediate intent, if that's all it was, uh, is fine. And so I would think that if we knew for sure that we could say eliminate HIV by flipping off this one genetic signal that has no effects on anything else whatsoever, then I would think that that would be something we would have sort of a almost moral obligation to make available to yeah. public writ large. Right. Yeah. Um, the same thing, if there was a way to flip off, you know, a gene that, that is, makes you more susceptible to, I don't know, diabetes or something, right. There's, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. The problem is we have not seriously addressed any of those things. We don't know if HIV was the only thing China was trying to do. Uh, we just kind of write the whole thing off into taboo, even though it's knocking on our doorstep and we're not making plans about, you know, to d- designer babies. And we're not saying, Hey, we need to fund these really long-term research projects into human genome stuff to try to figure out what causes what, or why aren't we building a better supercomputer to try to figure some of this out for us or, things like that we're we're not really even having the conversation and that i think is the yeah. main problem is oh, because yeah, yeah, yeah. this hunter. is this is going to be as big or bigger than what the nuclear bomb was to earth because this isn't going to just affect people i mean it will this is going to affect you know the food you eat the plants you grow right i mean maybe eventually the things that are swimming around in the ocean right and if you want to take a long-term view of humanity once nature gets a hold of that, something that's altered, what does it become, you know, later right, on? Right, and then right. what is the impact that we're going to have on earth and civilization and whatever? Well, right. So basically what what I, I feel like you're saying is like if it if it morally it makes sense, then it's okay. Which I, I agree with. I mean and maybe that was put here. We were we were given that that uh, that knowledge, that technology, well, knowledge to create the technology, technology to go so on to create that to uh, to change something that turns off diabetes. Um, but like anything, um, if you if you're given that power, 
then somebody, somebody is going to create something bad out of it, like always. Sure. I mean, it, it, it's always going to happen. You're always going to have that son of a bitch that, you know, wants to create super soldiers and, you know, instead of creating HIV, just HIV-resistant people, they created somebody who can actually jump 10 foot in the air, you know. Sure. Interesting. So I'm not, uh, yeah, I, I was never, I've never been against the CRISPR thing. 100%. I know a lot of people are because they say, well, you're playing God. It's like, well, I mean, you know, I mean, if he gave us that that option, that technology, that, that idea to do something, then, I mean, we should go with it. Now, at the same time, I don't think we got to follow Nazi well, Germany so one, and create super soldiers. I bring up is uh, Star Wars and the idea of the clone troopers, uh -huh. right? So... Everybody's seen that at some point, even if they don't remember it. The idea is that they created these clone troopers to be submissive to regular humans and be really, really loyal to certain people and be really, really good at being soldiers. But they had extremely limited capability to do other stuff. So they were basically a couple steps ahead of robots in the fact that they could still think creatively and they could act faster and, you know, biology can heal, you know, uh, more efficiently over time with less supply, yada, yada, yada. They baked it. They, they made them into a better machine basically. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But they were not people. They yeah. didn't have the same cognitive power and stuff like that. And so that again is going to tie into how we look at abortion because you are basically having a human life that you have removed from ever even having the option of being a bum or Mozart right? Mm -hmm. And that is the moral conundrum there, is oh, that you're, yeah. you're putting a limit on it and never letting the individual have a say because you're, you know. Right, right. So I guess it would depend on what we start tampering with, you know, and what's the oh. intent, right? So like I said earlier, you know, does China do this and start making all their people more submissive like a clone trooper in Star Wars where they're basically a better version of a robot? that can work in a factory for cheaper and will never question authority, you know? And then does another country start making everybody into a super testosterone fueled Spartan warrior? Right. And then some people don't do anything at all. And, you know, some people get engineered to be specifically live in space and then gravity on earth becomes something that's painful. So they can, you know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of questions potentially. Yeah. No, no. We just got to start working through it. But for me, the big one would be, I would tie it back to abortion. It's because what do you think about the potential of a life? Sure. Yeah. I agree with that. I hundred percent agree with that. I'm not for that at all. And I, I think abortion is a, you know, unless the mother is going to die maybe, or if like the mother was actually raped and you know, that's a whole different story, whole nother conversation to go down. Um, but anyway, so, Another thing I wanted to talk about was um, PCR testing. Yeah, that 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 is a uh, so because we have been saying probably since the beginning of all this pandemic, um, you know, it's always been a political play um, to crash the economy, and um, you know, Joe Biden to win, Democrats to win this election. But PCR testing, so from what I read and what I understood was PCR testing, It's and, and, and I, I'm not disagreeing with PCR testing by bringing this up. I think PCR, PCR testing is still probably the gold standard be, 
it's considered the gold standard of testing for uh, it really any sort of infection, uh, uh, um, you know, DNA evidence of something, because it, it, it actually has led us to a lot of um, significant um, uh, milestones, I guess, about ancient DNA, you know, ancient Egypt, and, and, and all you could go through any ancient DNA. And, and they've used PCR testing. Um, but so how it works, from what I read, was basically, you know, like for COVID, they, they do a nose swab. And then, uh, you know, they pull it out and they put it in a, in a Petri dish. And then basically they do it through, uh, what, cycle thresholds, which a cycle, it has to do with temperature and stuff like that. And they, I mean, from what, they, they basically put an amplifier, and I forget what they called the amplifier, but basically they, they're testing for the DNA and uh and seeing and, and the more cycles it goes through it, the easier it is to detect and also study that dna so for covid they will run it through you know 35 to 40 cycles and then they can say oh we have ourselves a positive case of covid-19 and uh you can also test but you can also accidentally i guess stumble upon dead viruses dead dna or whatever at this point um, and I guess the, the, for most viruses, and I'm butchering this all to hell right now, but for most viruses, like let's say the flu, they, they, they usually run about 30 cycle thresholds, but for some reason, COVID-19, they decided to run about 35 to 40. So for COVID-19, we're also running at a higher cycle threshold and we can, uh, you know, you can you 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 go you go to the, uh, the the doctor and you get tested and then, then you know you come back and they say oh you, you're positive well you, okay you've amplified it more times than what we normally do and then let's say you end up passing away from COVID nineteen and they say oh well you know you we've we've amplified it more times than we're used to, we normally do so you've also passed away from it um, but like normal viruses we only run about thirty so it's like we're we're amplifying the numbers for this one virus, but we're not for every other virus. And that seems very odd to me. What do you think about that? And I probably butcher all that, but that's what I got. No, you're fine. Um, so, you know, in a nutshell, they're toning down the sensitivity that for the last year, everybody said, wow, these tests are way too sensitive. There's way too many false positives. So how do we even know who really has the virus? Now that Joe Biden's president, magically, oh, yep. Turns out we shouldn't have been doing this, even though mm -hmm. everybody's known this for a long time. We're going to lower the sensitivity on all these tests. So naturally, there are going to start being less cases reported over time as this protocol rolls out. We're also going to see the rollout of the vaccine and then another big push for a mask thing, even though we've been told to wear masks now for, you know, going on a full year now. Yeah, no data to back that see up. All but... this stuff line up. With this magical drop in cases, yes, thanks to this magical vaccine and the magical masks, uh -huh. and oh my gosh, look at Saint Biden in the cathedral, you know. Yeah, that's what I've been yeah, saying. That's, that's absolutely where we're headed. Yeah, like the the, the the PCR testing, the cycle threshold will drop down to thirty, which is what the flu is. They 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 do they do thirty cycles for the for a flu, um, for a sample of the flu, and COVID nineteen will drop down to thirty. So that will 
coincide with the 100-day mask mandate. That will coincide with the deliveries, now I say deliveries very heavily, of the COVID-19 right. vaccine because I say deliveries so heavily because we're going to focus more on deliveries and we're not going to focus on actual vaccinations because that's what matters. Deliveries matter. And it really does matter according to the media because, well, I mean, we we, we delivered... What what's what sounds greater? We deliver we delivered five hundred vaccines, you know, you know, right. and that that sounds good. So we de- we delivered one million vaccines for for every week, or we've delivered whatever. You can go on and on and on. We de- and that's all the people. But people think that instead of hearing like, oh, that many people actually vaccinated, that's what they're thinking. But they hear delivered, so it doesn't matter. And then they think, okay, well, that many people got healed from this devil virus and uh the pcr testing goes down that coincides with a 100 day mask mandate and then all of a sudden around may and i think they'll use the heat also well and then the heat contributes to part of that because this all this, this year is also supposed to be a uh, above average year for uh you know uh, temperatures and uh, that helped too so it's funny climate change also helps destroy COVID 19 but yeah anyways um but they're going to say there's the spring heat because last year the spring heat was supposed to destroy it, but didn't work out, you know, because Republican. And this year it will work out because Democrat. Yep. I just, you know, the PC. I, I, I think it's ridiculous. Like, why, why, why does th- all of a sudden this virus, we decide to up the cycle threshold for, you know, and I, and I think I like like the conspiracy theory, like bandwagon there that they wonder like well you know this doesn't make any sense because the world is doing this and and i get you i i get where you're coming from also the united states kind of is like you know like they they, they have the most influence on the world they really do and and when it comes to a globalist economy and that's a whole nother conspiracy we can jump down one day but when it comes to being a globalist or globalism uh, economy like the United States, I, 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 personally, I don't. It's not going to be the the United Nations. It's going to be the United States is the United Nations, and 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 we are the globalist economy. You know, we've already kind of made the U.S. dollar, like, you know, the global right. dollar. So I mean, why would what it would it makes sense to make the you know, just whatever the United States does, we all do, and we've kind of already done that in a lot of countries. So, you know, it's only a time when that happens. So that's why. We all this is the United States kind of followed down this pandemic path, this pandemic path, and we all just the you know the world has followed down this too. Yep. Absolutely. But anyway, oh, about two hours, man. So pretty good. Yeah, one. that's probably good for me. I probably had to. <laughs> yeah, no, to it's, it's soon, getting late. So. It's midnight. Okay. All right, man. Sounds good. Yep. See you later. Yep. See ya. Bye.